10. In addition to your own Bible, you may find it on the back side of your message notes or beginning on page 846 in your worship Bible. Please follow along as I read. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the Church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of God. Thank you, Dominique. You know, we've spent just about a year in the book of Acts. Forty-five different sermons we preached, or 46 maybe, out of that book. That's a lot, all right? 28 chapters, a lot. And as we spent that year in that book, we saw how the church, the ecclesia, remember the Bible word for church is ecclesia, we saw how the ecclesia of God grew from a small band in Jerusalem into a powerful, though comparatively small, movement which had communities loyal to Jesus scattered throughout the Roman Empire. Truly, the words of Jesus, which, he, which opened the book in the eighth verse of the first chapter, came true when he said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so in ever-widening circles, we saw during the course of the book of Acts that exactly that happened. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, cross-cultural uh, evangelism, and to the ends of the earth, people very different than themselves and very far away from them. And so the book closes in the 28th chapter with the Apostle Paul, although a political prisoner, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God in Rome, the center of world power. He does, as the Bible says, with all boldness and without hindrance. So the book of Acts doesn't really conclude except with a comma. He's there, and now we see what happens next over the course of the next time. You see, when this is written, when this is occurring, it's probably about A.D. 61, we're not sure exactly of the date, but around A.D. 61, the gospel has made its way from Jerusalem to Rome. It took nearly 30 years for the gospel to go from the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection 
all the way to the center of Roman power, way to the west of Jerusalem. And of course, while it was spreading west, west in the course of the New Testament, it was also spreading east and south, in, uh, it, although we don't have those, those, much of that recorded in the New Testament. And, we, and, and even though it's only been 30 years, despite that short period of time, these communities of Jesus, like leaven and a loaf of bread, have, become their, have begun their work of transforming the landscape of Western culture, and the world was significantly changed. We are the beneficiaries of that. The culture which we have inherited really grew through the influence of the Christian gospel there in the first century throughout, the, throughout those next several centuries. Now think about it. If we rewind 30 years, this is going to shock you, but we're thinking about what? 1985. Now I know that seems like perhaps yesterday to some of you who are as old as me, right? It's like 85. How can that be 30 years ago? Well, it was. Only 30 years. The year Back to the Future was a movie. And they talked about things 30 years in the future, which was when? Right now, 2015. So if you want to get kind of a little bit of a jolt of surprise, look at that, uh, that movie sometime, as I did a couple of weeks ago. And the first one, you know, he's, he's in 1985. And then in the second or third, you know, iteration of that movie. You know how things happen with sequels. Uh, he moves forward to 2015. So anyway, 30 years is, seems like such a short time. It seems like relatively little time. And yet in the first three centuries, or the first century, those three decades set in motion of movement which literally changed the world. This was the story of uh, Ecclesia Unleashed. The story of Ecclesia Unleashed, ecclesia, the actual Bible word for the church, was a word which did not speak of a building, but rather of a, of a people, a people called by God, gathered in love, sent to serve the world in Jesus' name. This story, as you know, did not end with the ending of the book of the Acts, nor even with the completion of the New Testament. This epic story of called, gathered, sent communities planted around the world, this epic story has continued for two millennia since in communities around the world, rural communities, urban communities, wealthy and poor communities, educated and illiterate, black and white, Hispanic and Asian, until all the way up until the year 2012 when a small group of people began to meet in a Cave Creek saloon called the Buffalo Chip. We're in that long chain. And so we're in Ecclesia Unleashed Act 2. Or we can say Act 21st century, right? Uh, so we're not studying the book of Acts. And remember, we're thinking about, based upon our study of the book of Acts and our understanding of Scripture, how is it that God wants us to be shaped so that we can, to the degree God wants for us to, be also shapers of the culture of our community and of our, 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 our state and of our country and of our world. And I think you would agree with me that our culture could use a little shaping, right? But it begins not from the outside in as we've learned and forgotten and tried to retell ourselves. It doesn't happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out, like leaven in a lump like a mustard seed planted. God's way has always been to change people inside out and to teach them how to live like living witnesses of God's new creation in Christ Jesus by becoming a community of faith and 
love and hope, the very purpose statement which we adopt here as a church. You see, uh, and so that in 2012, there was a small group of people who thought, why not have a church in a place which, place which matches the mood and lifestyle of our community? A church in a place where people already enjoy going, let's admit it. A Western bar, which has live bull riding every Friday night. After all, they reasoned the church is not a, about, a, not about a, a place, but it's, but it's about a people. It's not about a product that you promote, but it's rather a person whom you follow. It's about Jesus Christ, God's church, God's ecclesia, God's called out ones, a group of people called to faith in the gospel of Jesus, gathered in love as the community of Jesus and sent with hope on the mission of Jesus. Let's call ourselves, we thought, ecclesia, the church at the chip. And so it is, three years hence. And most of you have come sort of Joining into that wagon as it's begun moving, and now look at us in a hot July summer morning. Here we are gathered, looking forward to another great season of ministry. And so every year about this time, whether in July, August, I like to take just a couple of weeks to think about who we are as a church, where it is that we're going, what it is that we're about. So we're doing that immediately on the heels of this Acts 20, or excuse me, Acts series, A Study in Acts. We won't take 45 weeks to talk about ourselves as a church. We're going to start living that way, but maybe for about three or four weeks, we'll think about ourselves as the called, gathered, sent community, committed to the gospel and the community and the mission of Jesus, called to faith, gathered in love, and sent with hope. And so now here we are, three years into this adventure, thrilled and thankful that God has seen fit to form us into a community, which is learning how to become a community for our community, a place of love and of faith and of hope. Faith and love and hope. These are three key words that I want us to think about this morning. There's actually 10 key words in our basic vision statement, and they happen in sequences uh, of threes, like baseball, which is, of course, the greatest game ever played, you know, three Three strikes, three outs, you know, nine innings, right? Um, so, and nine players in 90 feet, you know, you know what I'm saying, 60 feet, six inches, all derivatives of three. That's why it's one of the reasons why it's such a, a, a great game. But that has nothing to do with the topic today. So we have three words, faith and love and hope. And three words, called and gathered and sent. And three word, gospel, community, and mission. We're going to think about not all those words today, just about three of those words. And the 10th word, Jesus. <laughs> Called to faith in the gospel of Jesus. Gathered in love is a community of who? Jesus. Sent with hope on the mission of Jesus. So Jesus is the foundation for to whom we are called, with whom we are gathered, for whom we are sent, right? Called, gathered, and sent. But the words that I want us to think about today are the ones which Dominique so greatly read for us this morning those words in First Thessalonians chapter, chapter 1. And go ahead and go to the next slide, uh, Michelle, and uh, we'll be able to see. Hopefully it'll come up if everything works like it's supposed to. I thought I'd go ahead and print that text for you one time. This is simply a representative text, and we'll talk about why we're using this one particularly. But notice what it says there. We give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers. You see all the uh, superlatives in there? We give thanks to God how, how often? Always. For how many? For all of them. How often? Constantly mentioning them in our prayers. And let me just say this. Ask yourself, how often do I pray for the people of our church? That's what the Apostle Paul did. 
He prayed always, constantly for everyone as God brought them to mind. So we should be praying for our church. So anyway, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father what? Your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus. Faith and love and hope. We're going to think about those three words out of our purpose statement today. There are three, these are three, like I say, of the ten words that are foundational. And they were foundational to the Apostle Paul in his writings to people, uh, that, to the churches that he helped to plant. This isn't just one time. It happens numerous times in the Bible. In fact, I printed several of them on the back of your message notes today so that you could see. They, they find their first expression, so far as we know, in this book, the book, the letter to the Thessalonian believers. Did you notice it as Dominique read it? We give thanks to God always for all of you, mentioning you our prayers to God and the Father, your work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. As he begins this letter, and I'll give you the context of this letter in a moment, he says, I'm so thankful for you, and I pray that you uh, thank God for your faith and your love and and your hope. If you, this book, the letter to the Thessalonians, is generally considered to be the very first New Testament book ever written. We're not certain. Now, of course, the Gospels describe events earlier, but they were written later. Does that make sense? When they were written, they were, uh, they were, they were you know, 20 years in the past or 30 years in the past behind them, okay? But this is probably, possibly, perhaps Galatians, perhaps... Uh, um, uh, James, some have thought, but most generally it's thought that Thessalonians was the very first letter. And here's what had happened. Remember, when you're, re- when you're reading the, the book of Acts together, it was in the 17th chapter, if you ever want to look it up. In the 17th chapter, Paul and his new companion, Silas, are on, their, on, on a missionary journey together, and they show up in a town called Thessalonica. And they start a church there. And the Bible says they were there for, they taught their three Sabbaths. Some have thought that means they were there less than a month. But most people think it probably was a longer period of time than that, that he only spoke for three Sabbaths. Because very soon a riot started and he was run out of town. And Paul was, had to leave quickly just gathering what he could and just going out of town. And, and he had left them so soon he hadn't taught them many things. And that's why he stops and then now writes this letter back to them. Most people believe this letter was written in about A.D. 51, a mere 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. The church is now 20 years old. They were, there, they were there only a short time before they were run out of town, and having scurried out of town so soon, Paul was worried about their well-being, so he wrote them this brief letter and the next one, which follows it a little bit after that, the book commonly called Second Thessalonians. Already, the Apostle Paul is formulating some of his seminal ideas, which will characterize his correspondence with people throughout the churches he will plant. This idea of faith and love and hope are are things that occur out of the ministry of Paul. And it's found in many of the Apostle Paul's letter. It's found in the, bu- in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. Through him we have access by faith in this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And we also, and hope and endurance, verse 4, produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not make, uh, make us ashamed because God's love has been poured out in our hearts. Faith and hope and love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the most famous of them. So now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love, faith, hope, and 
love. Ephesians 1, 15 to 18, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, having the eyes of your hearts enlivened that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called. And in Colossians 1, 3 to 5, we thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard about your faith in the Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So faith and love and hope. And so one of our taglines at our church is that we want to be a community of faith and love and hope. So let's take a quick look at these three as we see them. You can go on to the next uh, uh, button there. First of all, we're going to talk, we're called to faith in the gospel of Jesus. We're called to faith in the gospel of uh, of Jesus. The Apostle Paul reminds them of their faith. And so we want to be, first of all, a community, uh, a, a community of, of faith. A community of faith. You know how important it is to have faith. Why is faith so important? Because everybody needs something to believe. Everybody's got to have a set of convictions. There have to be certain things that make sense to us, certain truths that we know. You know, how could you, uh, how could you build a home without having some sense of how construction works and how foundations work and that a line is a straight line, here's a standard for a straight line. How could you ever fly a plane without having some sense of there being laws of aerodynamics? How could you do anything without having some sense of what you can believe to be true? How can you add anything without believing that a number is a real thing and that one and one actually do make two? If you ever studied geometry when you were in high school, or junior high now, maybe in second grade they teach it now. They seem to teach stuff so early. Remember, you began by learning certain assumptions. There are certain things that without which you could not move forward. Before you get a bunch of ethereums, theorems and proofs, you had to start with assumptions. What are the assumptions that you have, the beliefs that you have, the things that you believe to be true? We've got to have them. You, everybody's got to believe something, in something. Otherwise, we merely have nonsense. Yes, it's so important for us to have a sense of truth. What is it that's actually, this is why our culture, in part, is in such a morass, because it has taken away any kind of fixed reference point. It's so important to have a fixed reference point. And you need something which is outside the system to say, this is right. You know, when you're going to measure your, uh, 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 your, your my house is a, a block home, and my cousin was the builder, and I helped him work on it. And so I just did the grunt labor of, is it okay to say that word in church? Yeah. Uh, of carrying the block, you know, the, I was actually what they call a hottie. If you know what a hottie is, I know a lot of you have thought this for a long time. But, uh, but it's actually a guy who carries, carries the, the brick back and forth and who makes sure the mud, the mortar, is ready to go. And he, just, he get, takes a lot of abuse because those guys who are laying brick or laying block, they want to be able to do it quickly and without any And they want the mud to be, well, they've got words for mud that, doesn't, that you don't want to repeat in church. So that's kind of what I did. And so you went, what I found out is when they first started to put the blocks up on my home, they did a corner over here and a corner over there. And they were very careful to draw a line across, a stretch across, to make sure they knew what was level, exactly where it was going. They could have just said, how do you, does it look straight to you? Does that look level to you? Well, to me, it doesn't look level. That looks pretty, I think that's pretty good. 
Have you ever tried to get something level and you look, st- look later and you think, oh my goodness, that's not level at all. What do you do? You put a level up there and then you adjust what's in front of you based upon that fixed reference point. If you don't have a level, you don't have anything straight. That's one problem with our culture today. We have nothing, no level, no fixed reference point. We, all, we think that everything's just up for grabs. What is it that is your fixed reference point? Our fixed reference point is we are fi- we're called to faith in the gospel of Jesus. All the way through this first uh, chapter, uh, the, the, the word gospel is used in the, in the fifth verse. Our, go- uh, uh, our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You see, they were conviction. They had full conviction through the power of the Holy Spirit in the truth of the gospel. Chapter 2 and verse 1, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, chapter 2 and verse uh, uh, 4, uh, for we did not come with words of theory, of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Uh, verse 4, we have been appointed to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we did not come with words of flattery, but nor the pretext for good. God is witness. What is he saying? We came with a conviction in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faith is so important. We believe in the gospel of Jesus. When you come to worship here at uh, Church of the Chip, you will find us affirming the truths of the gospel as revealed in the scriptures. That's what we do. It's what we do. If you want pop psychology, turn on the television. (laughs) You know, unfortunately, you can go to some, well, I won't. You can go to some churches and get a lot of pop psychology too, but I didn't say that. I just thought it. I, I put a stop before that came out of my mouth, right? But what you want to be doing is be teaching the truths of the Word of God called to faith in the gospel of Jesus. We're going to talk more about this in the week ahead, but right now I just want to make that point. We're called to faith in the gospel. And much of what we are trying to do is to bring out the level every week and to see the truth of Scripture and let it orient our lives accordingly. You see what I'm saying? And we need to continue to believe because if we're not careful, we will let something else become the level for your life. Something else become the straight edge for your life. You'll let, you will let the influence of your culture tell you which is straight and which is crooked. And you will find yourself in a lot of crooked places. So we want to have confidence in the, in the faith, in the gospel of Jesus. So we're called to be a community of faith. People need something to believe. And we believe in the gospel of Jesus. We want to share that. We want to live it. We want to uh, let it work its way. In fact, much of your problems in your life, we'll talk about this in the future, not so much today. Much of the problems you have as a follower of Jesus Christ is that you believe the gospel up here and you've committed your life to the gospel, but it hasn't really worked its way through your life. Why are you so worried about what everyone else thinks? Because you don't believe the gospel, which tells you that God thinks you're the greatest thing in the world, and God's opinion is way more important than anybody else's, isn't it? But you don't think so. You think it's more important to have somebody else's opinion. So you do what they want you to do. Why? Because the gospel's here. It's sort of here, but you have forgotten what it means to live the gospel in your life. And that's just one example. So in many ways, we're trying to live with the gospel awareness in our lives, not merely to get saved, but of course we want to do that. 
but to let the salvation of Christ work its way, sanctifying us through and through, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we'll talk more about that. Called to faith in the gospel of Christ. Secondly, the second thing is love, faith and love. Called, uh, remembering your faith and, yeah, you're one too far. That's the, third, that's the next one. You want to go backwards from there, okay? Um, be, the one before that. We, we are gathered in love as the community of Christ. Gathered in love as the community of Jesus. It's because we have, you can go on one more button. There you go. Perfect. That's it. Sometimes I get a little complicated with these slides and I make it hard on those guys. I apologize, guys. I didn't mean, there you go. Don't, hopefully it'll stay right there. That's where we are. All right, why is love? We are people who crave love. Everybody's got to belong somewhere. You, we need to believe something. We also need to belong somewhere. None of us wants to live in isolation. What is the cruelest form of punishment? To put someone in isolation. We're meant to be communal people. So we have this question, does anybody care about me as a person. So we want to become a community of love, and in many ways, and again, we'll talk about this more in the future, what really happened in that early church is they had a whole brand new community that developed between people who had never associated with each other before, rich and poor, educated, uneducated, Greek and Jew, uh, uh, Romans and, and Jewish people, masters and their slaves gathered together under the table of the Lord as a community of brothers and sisters. Imagine that. You're in a culture which has always viewed your master as a person in charge of you. And you now realize that master is your brother. And you are the master, and that slave is also your brother. That changes everything. Where do we belong? To whom can I belong? We will give up mo so many things in order to belong somewhere. Well, we belong to the community of Jesus. And that's why you will see in virtually every letter of the Apostle Paul, after he espouses these great doctrines of the church about the gospel, the next thing he talks about is how people are supposed to get along with each other. It's not optional, and it's not accidental. The community of love is so important, and so we want you to belong to this family if this is where God has called you to be part of this particular church family. And we want to learn what it is to love one another and to be a community, an inclusive community of of love. Well, I spent too much time on the previous point, so now I need to go now to my last point, okay? Gathered in love is a community of Jesus, and the third one is hope, sent with hope on the mission of Jesus, okay? Sent with hope on the mission of Jesus. Everybody needs to live for something. We've got to be people of hope. There's got to be something worth giving your life to, and that is what's such a challenge because our culture has a way, and I don't mean to blame our culture because we're the makers of our culture as well, but our culture had this way of saying, hey, what you've got to live for is this, and it may be the bigger house. It may be the better car, or if you're a kid, it may be being a, an athlete or, 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 or being popular at school, all these things. We've got to have something worth living for, and people live for so many things, but what is it that ultimately gives us hope? It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That tells us that even when death comes our way, it doesn't speak the end for us. What am I living for? Does my life have meaning? You see, I've got to ask those three questions. People are asking those qu questions. 
Is there anything upon which I can base my life? Anything worth believing my life? Is there anywhere I can actually belong and be loved for who I am in my life? And is there anything that gives my life ultimate meaning and satisfaction? Yes, we say, those are found in Jesus. Faith gives us something to believe in. Love gives us somewhere to belong. And hope gives us something to live for. Everyone, whether they ask the question or not, is answering it in their lives. They're believing in something. They're belonging something. And they're living for something. The problem is many of those things are false substitutes for what really can make a difference in our lives. The gospel gives to us faith. In the, uh, faith, that uh, something to, uh, to build our lives on a firm conviction to orient our lives around love, a place to belong with others based upon the love of Jesus Christ and hope, something to live for, something to do, some way to be a blessing. You know, uh, we look at our little tiny grandbaby and we love seeing her grow up and yet we are now generations ahead of her and we know that someday that story will end even for her. Yeah. And uh, we need something of consequence and a value to give our lives for. So I want to invite you to join us in this adventure, Ecclesia Unleashed, Act 2, <laughs> our act. And think about not just our own story in the midst of this church, but what kind of story are we writing for the year 2050? Some of you will be a little old by then. I will be, <laughs> if I'm around at all. But May God grant that this church will still be here if Jesus has not returned, serving this community, being a community of faith and of love and of hope. Because even in the year 2050, people will need something to believe in. They will need somewhere to belong. And they will need something to live for. The gospel will provide that for them. Let's have prayer as we close. Father, as we think about these principles in general, we know that within our own hearts there are challenges. We often believe in things other than the gospel. We often look for belonging other places that in, than in your family. And we often live for things ultimately which don't quite deliver. So we respond ourselves in faith to your good news gospel. Thank you that Jesus came and gave his life for us so that he could create for us this community of faith and love and hope, united around the gospel and about community and mission. I pray that if there are any among us who are wondering whether maybe this is the church where they can you know, tie in and grow, and may this become an opportunity for them to really tie in and say, this is where I believe God wants me to be accountable and to serve and to be a blessing. Others of us may not yet have responded in faith to Jesus. Help us to start there. Help us to recognize that all these other uh, questions and things we're seeking after are really clues about something deeper that's found only in the gospel of Jesus. Thank you for that good news. We respond to it in his name. Amen.